Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Last week, we delved into the best Chelsea and Tottenham assets, and both sides responded with wins and clean sheets. This time, can our assessment of mid-price midfielders bring a similar success? I am Mark Jobling, and welcome to the FPL podcast from Fantasy Football Community, where we embrace everything about the world of fantasy football. Heading into game week four with me, as always, is Lewis from FPL Reactions. How are you doing, Lewis? And more importantly, how did your team do in game week three? Hi, Mark. Yes, uh, it was um, a really good week overall. Um, Obviously, the week before the international break now, so... It's kind of the last round before um, the long break, but yeah, it was um, it, like I said, it was it was a pretty decent week for me. It was fifty six points. The average was forty four. Um, it could have been better, and I'll and I'll explain why. But fifty six points overall. The, the the big returns came from likes of Chilwell, who picked up the clean sheet. Rashford, um, seven points. Bruno got a double digit haul. So. Both the United lads, um, who we discussed last week, are, are back, back in terms of returns, aren't they? Saka, eight points. I think the template did pretty well in terms of like the midfield um, this week. Haaland got the eight for captaincy. Obviously got the miss pan, and um, Jackson, who I sold for Watkins, he picked up seven points as well. Mm. So overall. It was um, it was a good week in terms of rank as well. Again, it's really early to talk about rank, isn't it? But so four hundred k up to two hundred k. I think one of the um, one of the kind of biggest things I wasn't too happy about was Udogi first sub. Oh yes, he, yeah, yeah. So he hit twelve points this week. He got the assist, um, bonus, clean sheet. So it, it was a tough one for me because I was deliberating between him and starting him or Saliba pretty much most of last week and it came down to who I who I thought would keep the clean sheet and and Arsenal weren't great this week were they defensively so overall it was a good week it was gone within like a few seconds wasn't it there was the same on match of the day the commentator said that's the fastest goal of the season so far and I'm sitting there going it's it's game week three (laughs) (laughs) not the sort of thing to say in game week three 
Yeah, it was an um, interesting goal from Pereira, wasn't it? it was 58 seconds. Um, didn't it look like a few mistakes at the back for Arsenal? Um, we're slightly worried about um, moving forward. But I'm sure we'll we'll touch upon that further in the pod. Yeah, and I guess our teams are pretty similar because uh, the, the Udogi thing happened here as well. Um, it was 54 points for me, up to 156k, which... I know it is a bit too early to talk about rank. They always say you can't win it, but you can lose it at the start. And it's 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 a very happy rank. Um, I know, that, to be fair, I think the template, as you say, is having a great start. A lot of a lot of us in the our sort of scout staff, sort of mini league, are having a much better start than last year. Um, and yeah, Fernandez sort of repaid the faith, as you say, Rashford, Chilwell. Jackson beat Watkins 7-5, so that just about counts as a win. I was very nervous during that Chelsea game as it, as it went on, and Sterling was getting the goal, so it was just, oh, no. Yeah, Jackson yeah. had um, a pretty quiet... He, he was he was poor first half, um, but I felt that second half he was really good. But then I also watched the um, highlights of Watkins and... It could have been a massive haul from Watkins. He he could have scored a couple, um, and probably got another assist. So yeah, that was uh, we. I think we got lucky there. That was it. And for me, the the defender keeping new doggy on the bench. It, it went into the Sunday game because I bought Ruben Diaz, and it, it was almost willing Pep Roulette. Like it's not often you buy a player and they're immediately desperate for him to be dropped. Um and naturally he didn't and he started and he played every minute <laughs> and I couldn't even for most of the match it was like well at least it's Diaz at least he's got the most guaranteed clean sheet of all time Man City against Sheffield United mm. and then they conceded so that uh that 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 didn't go well so on the one hand yes good start good rank but on the other that's two weeks in a row Udogi's return. With two returns in in this case, has mm. stayed on the bench, and it just feels like I could be so much more. Um, and I'm gonna have a similar debate this week about Udogi, really, which we will get to. But yeah, so it's it's been Saka Saka back on penalties is interesting, even if it's just sharing them with Odegaard. It's it's better than what it looked like after the mm. Crystal Palace game. Yeah, it was a little bit concerning to see Saka. Um, he's never had the best underlying stats, Saka, has he? And um, so the penalty's kind of made up for that. But it it, he, it does seem to look like he's um, he's back on them now, which is uh, which is good. Yeah, and he's certainly not one of the fires to put out. Some managers have had better luck than others when it comes to injuries and stuff so far, um, and even transfers. To be honest, because we've had. We're recording this on on the Thursday, which is day before the transfer window closes. So even 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 now, as we're talking, there's probably stuff happening all over the place. There's even this morning quite a bit's coming through. But like one of the fires that managers might put out is if you own Sam Johnston in goal for Crystal Palace, you're very unlucky because they've just bought Dean Henderson. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it, and. It, it's a tough one to take, isn't it, for for, for Palace owners, uh, Johnson owners, because they've kept some really good 
underlying defensive uh, stats since the start of the season, and um, and he he looked bound for some clean sheets. But yeah, back at the competition uh, now from Dean Henderson is is going to be uh, one to look out for definitely. And then things like Man City, the the, the Foden, I think Foden's benching has been explained already by by Man City staff. It was it wasn't the usual Pep situation. He he did he was ill and was only brought on when Sheffield United equalised right at the end. Um, but Man City have bought Jeremy Doku since then. Uh, Matthias Nunez, it sounds like going into this recording that a fee's been agreed. So all of a sudden, the the, the bodies that they've lost in Mares and Gundogan have been replaced already. It might take a few weeks for them to, to uh, be integrated into Pep's starting lineup, but already you can see a, an end on the horizon for Foden um, as a regular starter anyway. Um, yeah, I think you're always going to get that with Man City, aren't you? They needed to build some depth and attack, and I think I do think Foden still has an edge, but you can never be too sure with Pep, can you? Especially as the the new signings kind of integrate into the into the team. Which signings are you interested in? I know, well, from a Chelsea perspective, Cole Palmer looks like an arrival from City. Yeah, Cole Palmer. He, he's a player that. I think quite a lot of, a lot of fans have been keeping an eye on for a, for a couple of years now, and obviously he's impressed early on this season. The fee the fee is interesting. It's 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 quite low. Maybe I'm so used to these big massive Chelsea fees that um, was it thirty to thirty five million didn't seem quite big. Um, but yeah, no, I think he'll um, he'll add a lot for for. For the, well, especially for for the depth of the squad, because we are struggling for um, attacking depth, and it's crazy to say that when we spent so much, but we've also sold a lot of attackers in the in the window as well. Yeah, a few sales plus a couple of those injuries have suddenly sort of made the squad look a bit thin, which, as you say, is a bit crazy to think of. But there's there's been a bit of bad luck to that. Um, yeah, so he, do you think? And we are going to dip into Sterling a bit later. Not too much because we, we did last week. But do you think this indicates that the wing-back system at Chelsea might, be, might have been a short-term thing? Yeah, I mean, I mean going back to pre-season, we played with a back four. Um, and that, for me, we our best performances in pre-season, our best performances so far have come with the with the back four system. So it is interesting. I do think I do think um Poch does want to kind of stay away from the wing back system long term. And um and obviously, you know, the injuries to Nkunku and um and Chuck Wameka are obviously kind of affecting his his changes constantly. You know, Chuck, we seem to have a lot of injuries at the moment, which um which isn't isn't new. <laughs> as a chance mm. to experience, but no, I think we're going to see. I think we could see a long-term change in, in in terms of system. But I do still think, you know, the likes of Chilwell, he will get forward. He showed even as part of a back four in the um in the in the summer series and preseason that he, I mean, he still picked up an assist and a goal. So in mm. terms of the, the full backs, we're still going to see quite a bit of attacking threat there. Yeah, let's hope so. Oh, when he was, he had that goal. 
disallowed in game week one. And when Chilwell was through on goal against Luton, they decided to square the ball. Oh, that was... Yeah, that was painful. It was a, oh, it was a painful watch. Um, I, I do think, though, with that will come more shots from Chilwell. So mm. it, it's it's so easy to kind of um, flip it, isn't it? So he's probably thought, right, I need to shoot more. I need to shoot more. So Yeah, maybe end. that was the turning point where maybe we have to sit through that to to get what's next, which is just a shot machine. Long shots, yeah. yeah. Was Sterling on for his hat trick at that point? I can't remember. Was that was it, maybe that was why? I can't can't remember at what point in the match that was. But yeah, I'm not I'm maybe. not actually too sure, but I think with obviously Sterling's progress and and how he's played. I mean, me and you discussed um, early in the pods how how Sterling, especially last episode, how you know he was constantly progressing. He looked. He looked poor at starting pre-season. He's progressing, and um, and and we've obviously seen a much much better um, kind of output lately. Again, it was Luton, so we have to be careful um, there, don't we? Yeah, it was kind of. I remember when the game, when the prices first came out and the game launched. I didn't really hear a lot about Sterling, but. I sort of still remember him really fondly as an FPL asset for Man City. And he, he had the joint biggest price drop this year. He went down from 10 mil to 7 mil. Mm. So there's definitely a point, especially when the fixtures came out and, and we saw this Chelsea run, that it was really thinking Sterling could start with him or he's definitely going to be in for game week three. And then and then other things became trendy. That could be a, That's kind of a problem when you sort of immerse yourself in it. Like... There was other there was other shiny toys that sort of distracted the attention and and never really came back to Sterling. So now this week, when he's the most bought player, eight hundred twenty seven thousand, and that's that that could get beyond nine hundred by deadline. It, it, mm. it does feel a bit oh like oh, you don't want to buy him just after his nineteen point haul. The thing with Sterling is, and uh, like we again, we we touched upon it last week. He looked good, but I think a lot of people weren't convinced by him. You know, they weren't convinced mm. that he had the output for Chelsea. You know, he's had output for Manchester City over the years. We've seen that, but for Chelsea, he hasn't. So we needed to see that. And although many could call it knee jerk, we we mm. a lot of people just needed to see him um, create goal contributions to actually be convinced to bring him in in the first place so yeah and there's the whole without wanting to cause offense to any Luton listeners Luton fan listeners of course because it's it's great to have you in the Premier League but they, they will use the line oh well it was only Luton um which from what we've seen so far might be a fair point um mm, yeah. it's only two games to base them on and then we had Gusto get 14 points he's he's also been one of the most bought this week. And that really does sort of feel like, well, if you've missed it, it's a shame. But do you really want to get on him now? Because James, we, we mentioned you mentioned this possible switch back to a four-man defense as well. And, and James won't be out for too much longer, will he? We've got the international break coming up after this. So we've got two weeks gap between four and five. So is, is Gusto... Is it already perhaps too late to get onto him or not? Yeah, I think it is, to be honest. You know, he he's filled in really, 
really well at Chelsea since James has been out and obviously has less attacking threat than James and probably got lucky with one of the assists last March. But I think, to, I think, like you mentioned, Reese James is coming back soon. He could potentially um, feature in game week five uh, or maybe even start in game week five or six. So Gusto is definitely potentially just a one or two week um, transfer in and then he's going to be a problem then. Completely. And uh, yeah, with all these other transfers going on, you just don't know at, at all what's what's going to go on. We've had a few sort of injuries and stuff over the week, like Luke Shaw. He's the most sold player so far uh, because he, well, he's out for an amount of time that is forcing Manchester United into the market for left back, possibly Kukurea. Yeah. And he's down at 4.9 actually. So if 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 that does happen... I've sort of lost track of which left back's in the lead at the moment. But if it was him, for example, that, that could be a a decent route as well. Varane also looks hurt. So maybe the other conclusion is try not to get into their defence anymore because they've been decimated. Yeah, I, I I do worry, really worry for Man United um, with the Luke Shaw injury. Um, and the Varane injury as well. That's two really, really key players um, in the in the United back line that are going to be out for for some time. I think sure. I I heard rumours that it was December. Um, Varane also quite a few weeks as well. So, I mean, if you've, I mean, again, we'll probably we're going to probably cover this through questions or or whatever. But I, I, like I said, I, I do really, really worry about the um, United's potential to keep clean sheets moving forward. Yeah, it might have been time to sell them anyway because getting their defensive assets was with the first three games in mind, and we've already had them. Uh, this would certainly push owners further into a sale. Uh, Levi Colwell. Apparently, it's not a problem when he was sort of seen with ice on him last night. That's that sounds like nothing to worry about. Yeah, that's it. It looks all good. I think someone I think someone asked him. I saw that someone asked him um, if he was all right. He said he was good. You know, we can never trust a player to self-diagnose themselves. He had a bit of ice um, on it as well on on the little knock. But I, yeah, I do, I do think he'll be fine. You know, he's really important to Poch as well. Poch doesn't like making changes unless he's forced to. So I can see Colwell probably yeah. start in the next game. Although when James Madison said his uh, boot was precautionary, he was right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I was surprised to see him start last week. A lot of people were surprised to see him start, actually. and, and A lot of sales. Yeah, and he um, ended up on a double-digit return, didn't he? So... It was really bad luck because, yeah, mm. everything said, including sort of Postacoglu himself, that everything hinted that he was going to be a substitute at best and, and that was not the case at all. So that's just really unlucky. Richarlison may have picked up a knock in midweek in the EFL Cup, but uh, it might not be too bad. Hopefully we'll find out more in the press conferences. Sven Botman. Newcastle. I, I still don't think there's been a real word on on his departure against Liverpool, um, which is a match I just don't want to remember anyway. But um, but yeah, I feel like if it was 
bad we might have heard by now. I think one of the Northeast journalists actually said that it was better than feared, so that might uh, stop Newcastle making a last-minute sort of dip into the transfer market. And it's good for managers who planned to get him soon. Akanji was ill for Man City, didn't take part at all. And then we've seen sort of transfers elsewhere, like Kudus to West Ham. That looks a really impressive signing, actually. Uh, Just as much as Ansu Fati seemingly going on loan to Brighton. On paper, seems incredible. But I think when you look deeper into his last couple of years at Barcelona, it's sort of been a mix of injury, um, sort of choosing the wrong solution to an injury and a bit of regression in form. So he, need, he needs a bit of a boost, really. Um, yeah, Fatty, he's only he's only 20 years old as well, isn't he? So we have yeah. to remember he's still developing. And if there's a team that can develop young players, it's Brighton. So we could see could see a good return to form for Ansu Fatty. Totally could. Bet, better, well, Everton, uh, this might be a strange concept, but Everton have scored with a striker. Um, although it was in the cup, but they spent big money on Beto from Udinese, and he's already scored against Doncaster. So that that could be. I don't think he's been given a price yet in the game. Um, hopefully that goal doesn't impact this. Uh, but you know, if he was given like a five-five or something like that, that that could down the line be interesting. Mm, yeah, hundred uh, percent. Just check there, and he, he hasn't got a price yet. Uh, we do have a 4.5 starting forward now, though, you would think, with Cameron Archer going to Sheffield United. So I, th- I think a lot of managers sort of had him instinctively as their four, as their cheap 3-5-2 forward. Um, certainly if you've gone for Balogun, he's, he's, that's backfired because he's off to Monaco now. But Archer, you know, that, that could be... Uh, We've sort of been burned before by cheap Sheffield United strikers, so optimism mm, yeah. might not be that high, but yeah, it's useful to have one. Well, I mean, he did actually play sixty minutes in the cup, um, so it is it's a it's a good sign that he's he's going to start getting involved with the first team and stuff. Um, he was uh, a late substitute for Oshula, who has who is also a four point five million striker and has been starting so be interesting to see what happens there yeah completely it's uh and of course well the frustration about the window is it closes it, it closes on friday just a few hours after the game week four deadline so by the deadline we probably know the main questions but there is still time for that last minute one that could mess everything up like i saw that uh george baldock was being linked with AEK Athens the other day. I think he's got a bit of Greek. Well, I think Baldock is a Greek international, isn't he? Um, so, you know, if something like that happened in the last hours, that that would be very irritating. Uh, so, yeah, there's, there's questions. Most questions will be answered by the deadline, but certainly by game week five, we will know a lot more about what's going on. Yeah. Um, over on our website, fantasyfootballcommunity.com, we, we do have the regular articles up that we have most game weeks. So a look at differentials for the for the week, uh, buy, sell, hold, team reveals are on their way, and the, the usual coverage of international leagues, so Bundesliga, Serie A, 
stuff like that. Lewis, you've also looked at the best game week for wildcard team. Um, it's not a terrible idea, is it? I suppose because that's that's how it used to kind of be. It used to be an acceptable time. And if you've got if you do have lots of fires to put out, every team's different, really. Yeah, exactly. I think we, we have, you know, we have to be kind of open to the wild card always because we also have to consider that a lot of a lot of people have had these um, assets. You know, the likes of Luke Shaw, the likes of Gabriel. You know, people have had um, fires to put out. So I think correcting that quickly um, before um, you know everyone else gets ahead of you is really really important, and also it gives you the chance to get in all the players that you you know that you've think you're going to do well for the for the run ahead and um and so yeah i mean it's so it's never a terrible time to wildcard um however the international break is coming up so we have to be really careful there don't we yeah i think if if there was a way to maybe push it off one more week if if this this week's transfer could could just push a manager over the line have an okay t- get 11 players out this week and then then you've got the two weeks uh sort of two weeks to sort of do your team that that would be ideal um so that that's if you if you started off with a defense of sort of Gabriel Shaw Reese James and then mm. let's say Baldock does leave and you had Sam Johnson in goal you might have fixed one or two of them by now, but yeah, like that's a that's a terribly unlucky situation to be in. So yeah, you probably would use it. And that one, you've you've also got the Champions League podcasts podcast coming back because we were about to well the draw for the group stages tonight, and I guess once we're back from the break, we're sort of starting kickstarting the group stages for that this year. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's always a busy time in the Champions League, isn't it? Because the schedule gets really, really tight for for some Premier League club. You know, obviously we're going to see that with Newcastle, Arsenal, Manchester United, and Man City. So yeah, it's going to be um, it's going to be interesting to see how teams um, deal with it, you know in terms of who they rotate and stuff. It's going to be really, really interesting there. Um, yeah, kind of going on a, a bit of a tangent um is newcastle because obviously newcastle have some good fixtures coming up don't they but the likes of you know trippier do we see rotation there potentially you know there's there's a lot to kind of consider with Champions league yeah well i'm being a bit reactionary with, with newcastle i think the sort of even even the past year that's gone really well it, it hasn't quite sort of t- shaken me off being sort of pessimistic and i, I do look at I mean the the way that Liverpool match happened, it was it was a, it, that should not be happening. It was it was horrific to watch. It was so comfortable, uh, and then all of a sudden it wasn't. And uh, that triple substitution was the start of it. We looked like a completely different team after sort of Tenali and Gordon and Isak went off. And then to let a ten man team come back into it like that was absolutely shocking. But uh, they've earned enough goodwill to sort of not going too deep on that. And Liverpool are a bit of a bogey side for Newcastle anyway. Uh, we didn't lose that many games last season, but both Liverpool's were were defeats. So um don't want to react too much to that. But one of the one of the things 
that I did think afterwards is from a fantasy fantasy perspective. Well, defensively, we're not particularly great anymore. It's it's stretching back into last season. It's two clean sheets from twenty one. Hmm. Um, the, the fixtures do get better in fairness, but I wouldn't be entirely confident that a defensive asset is even that essential anymore. Trippier, as you say, like maybe. You know, does he get the occasional rotation now with, with Champions League coming up? Livermento's come in for big money, uh, probably for that reason. Uh, Botman, even if he's fine after that knock he picked up, is is that a warning sign that you know now that a left backs come in, Dan Byrne could fill in a, a left centre back? So this this stability last season where Newcastle's back for was the same back four for 31 of the 38 matches. I, I'm not sure we get that this season. So, mm. so investing in Newcastle's offense, I think might not be essential. And then further up field, like the midfield doesn't offer much. Gordon has been like a, a different player since, since he had that great tournament with the England of the 21s. He's, he's, oh, he's Gordon's been great, Anthony. He's been absolutely superb. And, uh, so he could be an asset, but at the same time, Harvey Barnes is there to also step in. Isaac has been bought quite a lot since that opening day haul, but he's been taken off for Callum Wilson at, at a, around a 70-minute point every match, and eventually that will swap where Wilson's starting. So I think all throughout the Newcastle team, you do think FPL-wise, it could be avoided. I'd love to be sort of proved wrong there, but... Uh, when you see the tweets sort of prepping for a trippier transfer, I do sort of wonder whether it's sort of a trap or something. Yeah, things change quick, don't they, in FPL? And, uh, you know, there's constant um, updates, uh, injuries and, and, and new new uh, new opinions. Um, but, yeah, I, I do still think, even taking into account the rotation and the fact that Newcastle are keeping clean sheets that people are probably still going to invest and and you know if if not Trippier then maybe Shaw he's a, he's a little bit cheaper isn't he maybe he could be like a long term um pick yeah he could be he could be the compromise between Trippier and Botman because mm. uh Trippier is so much more expensive Botman could be rotated with Burn occasionally but share there's not really in terms of right centre back, it's it's either him or Lascelles, and yeah, and Cher has so much goal for it. Yeah, his underlying mm. stats. I think he was like he only scored on the opening day, but he had he was number one defender for for quite a few attacking. It was like him, and it was Gabriel basically dominating that. Yeah, attempts on attempts on goal. He was um, he was really good, wasn't he? He was really high up there, Shaw. Yeah, and it must have been it must have been so frustrating to own him because it was it was a game week one goal against Nottingham Forest and that was it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, in terms of I, I don't know what you're planning in terms of transfers this week, but I feel like a lot of the attention is on the mid-priced midfielders, like those ones between six point five mil and eight mil. Like there, are, there are so many of them that are generously priced in that bracket. They're in form. They all look like fantastic options. And if you have doubled up on an Arsenal or a Manchester United midfield, it it, it feels like it's all coming together to to sort of look there this week. Which which ones 
I mean, I've just put, put down a few names here. You've got Sterling, Madison, Mbwemo, Foden, but Diaby, Jared Bowen, Matoma, even Eze, who's been unlucky because his 16 shots are the joint most out of everybody, and yet he's mm. blanked in all three. Out, out of the midfielders in that bracket, which, which ones interest you the most? Well, I think the fixtures obviously take, um, you have to factor in the fixtures, don't you? And I think probably you could probably eliminate a couple of those options before you look at the other options. So with Crystal Palace, you know, as a, he's been fantastic. Like he really has, and he's maintained some great stats, but Crystal Palace themselves don't look great going forward. They don't look like an attacking team that you would want to invest in. Um, so I would I would probably potentially rule out Eze. Um, he has some he has a couple of great fixtures coming up, but the attack is just not convincing enough for me to bring in um, someone like Eze. I would maybe I would maybe hold Eze, but I don't think I'd bring him in. It's the same with Bowen, really. You know, he okay. West Ham play Luton next. Um, there's there's probably close to guaranteed a haul for Bowen in the in the next match against Luton, especially with taking into account West Ham's um scoring form as well. You know, one of the biggest scorers, they're I think second in the league, I'm not too sure, second or third. So yeah, they, they look really good at the moment, um the likes of Antonio Bowen. But I, I think with the games after that, you know, Manchester City okay they play Liverpool which might not be tough, but they've also got the likes of Newcastle and Aston Villa ahead. Again, I'm not too sure that I would be bringing Bowen in. Mm. Um, so he's he's probably another player I would I would rule out. Well, he he, he seems to have lost set pieces to Ward Prowse, which I guess boosts Ward Prowse's potential because they've got so many yeah. tall players. But um, so that that did seem like it would hinder Bowen. But he's got he's got two goals, one assist, five shots on target, and mm. all of those. Um, rank quite highly. It's it's identical record to Musa Diaby in that respect, in terms of goals, shots on target. Um, yeah, it, yeah. It could be an interesting alternative to Ollie Watkins. 100%. Um, I think, Bowen, again, Bowen probably wouldn't bring in this week. Diaby is interesting. Um, he's looked great so far. Again, I'm, I'm just a little bit concerned about the fixtures for Diaby. So he plays Liverpool next away from home. Okay, Liverpool have lost Van Dijk. But I'm not too sure they, they're gonna. There's whole potential there, and then they play Crystal Palace, who have who have maintained some good defensive stats. They then play Chelsea yeah. away. They then play Brighton. So again, by process of, of elimination, I would potentially rule Diaby out. But then. It does leave so eliminating eliminating those options does kind of leave a couple of options open, um, with great fixtures, uh, pretty good stats. You know the likes of James Madison and Raheem Sterling. So Madison he he has a couple of great fixtures. So he he plays Burnley away from home, very very good fixture, especially from what we saw um, from Burnley against Aston Villa. Sheffield United, okay, Sheffield United made it tough for um, Manchester City, but could that have been a one-off? I can see Spurs having some attacking success there. So, James Madison, he also ranks uh, second highest amongst all players for non-penalty expected goal involvement. So, the stats are back in Madison as well. 
I did say on the last podcast that we recorded that I was a little bit concerned about his expected goals and um, his expected assists. Is you know, it's great. His, his stats are really high there. But it was a goal threat that I was slightly worried about. And obviously, he scored in the last match as well. So, for me, James Madison is probably a top target. One of the questions from the community, actually, because we, we, we did ask um, on Twitter if anyone's got any questions. FPL Abe did ask if, if Rashford to Madison was a luxury transfer. Would you, uh, I'm assuming he's maybe got two free transfers and, and has to use one. So uh, would you recommend that, that switch at all? Oh, it's a tough one, isn't it? With with Rashford, he's he's also kind of I'm considering my my own plans as well this week. I haven't touched upon my trans my own transfer plans yet, but I'm sure we will in a bit. Um, but yeah, in terms of Rashford, he's he played central for the first couple of games, didn't he? And he he wasn't great, and then he moved him. They moved him over to the wing in the last match, and he performed a lot lot better. So. That is a really, really tough one because if he continues to play on the wing, which I think he will, he could have some success. But then you look at the fixtures, Arsenal away, Brighton at home. Do we do we necessarily need a double United attack? And then it's kind of eliminating Bruno because Bruno's stats are great, aren't they? Bruno is 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 the highest for non penalty mm-hmm. expected goals. So I think if you if you go into sell one, it's probably going to be Rashford. So. If it's for Madison, I would maybe make that move. But I would go it. I would put a lot of thought into it because obviously the new uh, new position for Rashford, well, return to his wing position, could um, could give him a lot more potential going forward. I know certainly, like for myself, the transfer this week is gonna. I'm gonna sell Matoma, and I just keep going back and forth on Sterling or Madison because. And then watching other videos doesn't help as well because it, it doesn't uh, doesn't resolve the issue. Let's put it like that. Um, because I really don't want to buy a player who's just scored nineteen points, and I don't ever want to treble up on Chelsea. But yeah, I think if it was if it was me and I'm like I'm a Chelsea fan, everyone knows. It, well, a lot of people know that. I have to if I had to make a decision um, out of Madison or Sterling, it would probably be Madison. I think we've we've seen that Madison is Madison is consi- we can see that he's consistent basically with Sterling. We he's just played Luton. Um a lot of teams a lot of players are gonna haul against Luton this this season. And it's whether or not he can maintain that Sterling. Whereas Madison he has the roots to the point he has the set pieces and has has he's always maintained good assist potential. Do think the stats, you know, last last season, this season, all the stats suggest that back in um, Madison would probably be a, maybe a better move. Um, so yeah, I, I think for me, I would probably back Madison. Although I do really, really like both, and if I could get both, in, I would. And well, it's, it's I do sort of overthink the fixtures sometimes because you see on the website there's a lot of green fixtures but then you start overthinking like Nottingham Forest at home like they were really bad travellers last season Forest but they've, they've gone to Arsenal and to Manchester United so far and lost narrowly so is that even do we put that down as an easy fixture I don't know like 
I mean, for me, we we play we play most of our um, best football at home. We are definitely a home um, side when it comes to when it comes to performances. We we sh- you know we were we we have shown better home performances, and I just I just think it, it probably is a green fixture. Um, I think if we were playing away from home at Nottingham Forest, it could be a probably a tougher game. But yeah, for me, I think that is it, it is a green fixture. It's just whether it's just whether um, Sterling can even come close to matching his performances against Luton because um, I'm wor- I'm really concerned about Luton this season. I think they are they are definitely a team to target. Definitely, Sterling. In fairness, he does have the most inbox touches out of everybody so far. It's thirty five ahead of everyone else. So that, that that in itself is promising, but you sort of got to counter that with the Luton factor. Yeah, he's so Sterling, he's always been really lively, hasn't he? Um, it's just his end product has, has kind of always been an issue. In fact, I think in the first two game weeks, Sterling managed um, a total of maybe 0.3 non-penalty expected goal involvement, and that mm-hmm. obviously shot up massively against Luton. So, I'm not too sure. I mean, you can take whatever you want from that, but that is a big jump in one game. And, and whereas a... Madison, yeah, mm. was maintaining um, good level for, from the start of the season. So they both have got neither have Europe to sort of distract. So that that's that's does that doesn't help the side. But yeah, everything does seem to go through Madison, and he does have the set pieces and stuff like that. So that. He, I did initially look at the Spurs fixtures and think, well, after these two, doesn't it get difficult again? Because they've got Arsenal, then Liverpool. But then is Liverpool, like, certainly if you're an attacking asset, is Liverpool even a bad fixture anymore? I'm not even I'm not even sure it is. So it's just... There is that, isn't there? There's, I mean, you, you can, I mean that is probably one of the one of the only things edging um, Sterling over Madison is probably the long-term fixtures. Um, but, I mean, you could... You could easily kind of bring in Madison for a couple and then swap him out maybe before Arsenal. But then again, he does have Luton after Liverpool and Fulham as well, who who have looked terrible. So, so it's yeah. only really that Arsenal game, and even that. I mean, maybe it is overthinking now, but they have Arsenal have conceded one at home to Forest, two at home to Fulham last season. Mm-hmm. They were a much better defensive team away from home, so. Arsenal at home at Spurs. Madison, especially when you want set pieces, that 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 yeah, can score set pieces against anybody. So, hmm, yeah, I, I think I've just, I think I've just been, Madison again. I think I've just been more convinced by the Tottenham attack than the Chelsea attack. They've looked so good, Tottenham. You know, goals coming from everywhere. Madison is just so kind of evolved with everything that happens, and I, I just, I just feel when I'm watching Tottenham, that it's more fluid than maybe Chelsea. Obviously, Chelsea look good in, in attack. And, you know, it's easy to frame the um, the looting game um, and, and, and think Chelsea have this amazing attack. But, you know, against against West Ham and Liverpool, it wasn't, it wasn't great. So, whereas with Tottenham, you know, they look good against Man United. They look good in all of their games. He I, I, just feels like more of a solid pick, Madison. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, but then I also don't want to rule out Sterling. I think he's a great pick as well. So that's, yeah. So I'm definitely torn between those. Possibly fifty-one percent Madison right now. What are you planning for this week? Yeah. So I have 
two free transfers. I'm kind of on the fence, um, to be honest. I've got so at the moment I've got Pickford starting. Um, bloody Pickford, <laughs> uh, a doggy starting against Burnley. I think that's a great opportunity for him to both get a clean sheet and attack and t- return. Chilwell, of course, starts. Astapinan starts at home for Newcastle and Bumo, uh, Saka, Rashford. Um, and Martinelli and then up front Harlan and Jackson Saliba is my first sub now I'm a little bit concerned about Martinelli um, I, I'm not really keen on going into the Manchester United and Arsenal game with four attackers a little mm. bit worried about that um, but it's also a good opportunity to bring in someone like Madison isn't it so I think Martinelli hasn't he hasn't um, maintained um, stats that good so far this season, at least not as good as, you know, the likes of Bruno, Rashford and Boomer. So I think he would be the first to go, Martinelli, and it would be Madison that comes in. I really have to think sac- hard about the, the second transfer because it's, I, I do, I, I feel like I'm going to need potentially two free transfers after the, you know, the, for the, for the international break period. But then I could also potentially sell Rashford and bring in Sterling. Again, watching United, I'm not totally convinced on the double attack from United. So, mm. yeah, I mean, Rashford, Rashford could go, but then he has, he has taken up that left uh, wing role again where he's, he was so effective. And we have to remember, Rashford was pretty much a season keeper last season, wasn't he? Yeah, he really was. He was so much cheaper, but yeah, like, I must, I must admit, he is placing... Again, week one squad is never is never in doubt really, so it, mm. it should maybe sort of shake off that bias a bit and, and, and genuinely look at the situation and say, well, is he worth nine million? You know, he's not got any out of position potential. He's definitely going to be on the left wing now, but you know, have, have is this little dodgy, sticky start over? Will Ten Hag sort of get them back to how they are again? In which case. Yes, keep keep Rashford. It's a tough one. It, it's it's a really tough one. Matoma, even selling him feels a bit risky, like from our perspective, because he, he did get that hauling game week two, and he hasn't really done a lot wrong. He is second to Sterling for inbox touches, but he's he rarely shoots. He's he's had all these inbox touches, but only four shots. So I'm happy to send it, and the fixtures are turning. So that 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 feels about right. Selling Matoma, it's just. You know, Sterling and Madison, and you did remind me about the Udogi problem. Like, say, fool me once, shame on, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Well, what have you benched Udogi for the third successive week? What have you clean sheets again? That'll be awful. But, but you know, I'm not gonna chill well against Forest. Has to happen. Diaz at home to Fulham has to happen, and then a Udogi or a Stepinian. I'd be a bit nervous about. Everyone have an asked opinion if I don't start him, even though yeah, Brighton aren't keeping clean sheets. But uh, if Trippier goes forward, there'll be so much space in behind for asked opinion to to exploit. So that's going to be a tough call, even just fitting four defenders into three there. Yeah, no, for for me, I um I'm I'm kind of convinced on starting new doggy this week, um, especially against Burnley. Probably would start Astapinan. I mean, I am starting Astapinan. Um, I, I, I just think that he's he's had a really great start. He's, you know, he's 
maintains some good attacking stats as well. And I just think start him until maybe there's there's clear signs um, to potentially sell over the tough period of fixtures that he does have because no one's quite sure on what they're going to do with Estepinal at the moment, especially for the fixtures ahead. Yeah, exactly. And if you if you were planning on a wild card in game week nine, for example, it's not even as straightforward as keeping him till then because Brighton's fixtures do get quite good again from from game week ten. So it's 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 kind yeah. Of I mean, I, I would probably be quite happy to keep Astapin on. Um, maybe potentially on the bench. You know, if we look at the fixture, United probably hold him for that. Hold him for Bournemouth, Villa. Maybe even Liverpool probably wouldn't play him for Man City, but then, like you said, the fixtures get good after that. Yeah, and so many defenders aren't doing it. Like so many teams are conceding. There's only a few clean sheets in, in game week three. It was like Spurs, Chelsea, Wolves. Um, so you know, if, if if not many people are doing it, there's there's no real rush to get rid of him. Um, so just a few quick questions because I just noticed the time um, also sent in from the community Mark Netherton should I play Bruno and Saka against each other or drop one to the bench for Wissa hmm, that is a tough one isn't it because Brentford are coming up against one of probably the worst defences um, it, it would be a tough decision for me out of who to how who to serve out of from Saka and, and Bruno, but I, I, I think I would probably still bench Wissa there. Um I just think it's just really risky. Obviously ownership we have to take into account as well. And I just think both take penalties. Both sides haven't looked great defensively and, and both could re- do really well against each other. So I think you probably start both and bench Wissa. Not too sure what your thoughts are mm-hmm. on that. It's very risky because if you have an informed striker at home to Bournemouth, like he's got to start. If, if if that's truly the only options, prevention, and and it's nobody else. That's tough so, one, isn't it? That's so that's so difficult because Bruno does have the underlying stats, and Saka. I mean, maybe Saka, but that feels harsh because he's scored in two of the three so far. Um, I'm going to have to sit on the fence with that one. Um... Yeah, it's, it's a really, really tough one, to be honest. Um, I think when in, when in doubt, I'd probably, probably back the back the highest owned players just in case and, and stay on template. Yeah. Um, Walter Hartwell-White, not that one, um, asks, well, it's it's almost just talked about it, really. Is selling a opinion for Ruben Diaz a good move considering the fixtures? Um, what do you think? I mean, it's a tough one again, isn't it? It's really all these questions are quite tough. But considering obviously Man City's fixtures, are, you know, then they have a lot of clean sheet potential. I mean, the problem with Man City is that their defenders don't actually offer too much attacking threat. So again, again, I, I don't know. I think I'd be slightly inclined to keep Estepinan over a Man City defender for now if if I was offered the swap for totally free I think I would probably keep Estepinan to be honest and we've already Mason Mohamed he's he's basically got your situation so we've already covered about having two free transfers would you sell both Martinelli and Rashford so that you've you've 
covered that, I think we can say. Um, I would definitely sell Martinelli. Definitely I'm, Martinelli. I'm, I'm sure about that, yeah. 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 And then finally, we've got, uh, sorry if this pronunciation's wrong, but uh, Stian Lovas Einen. It's a Chelsea question for you as well. If Would you rather use your transfer on Sterling for Odegaard or Jackson for Watkins? Mm, that is an interesting one. I would probably back Jackson. I think, yeah, I think I'd back Jackson. I think he's joint for big chances with Haaland. He scored in his last game. All of the attacks are going to go or are going to probably end with him. I, I just think that Jackson is just a solid, a solid, um, he's probably one of the best picks moving forward. Whereas again, I, I'm just a little bit unsure about Sterling and I, I do, I do think Odegaard could potentially match Sterling over the next few fixtures. I mean, the fixtures are great for Chelsea. Um, I just, I, it just doesn't convince Sterling is just not convincing me at the moment and, and especially selling um, and uh, maybe Odegaard. I mean, if I if I could make both of those transfers, I probably would. But I, ju- I just feel, and maybe you disagree, Mark, I just feel that Jackson has to come in. I do agree that I'd probably rather have Jackson than Sterling, but um, it was we were very lucky with Ollie Watkins last week. He had so many... I mean, yeah. He's delivered in every match. He hasn't scored yet, but he's assisted in every match. And he's, um, his overall... XG is 1.57. Mm. He had like three big chances at Burnley. So I think the haul is coming for Watkins, but they're also it's saying just the fixtures, isn't it? It's the fixtures, you know, they fixtures. okay, Liverpool, but then they've got Crystal Palace, Chelsea, and Brighton. So it's one of them, isn't it? Four more fixtures. Yeah, I'm definitely looking ahead, looking in four or five weeks' time at Aston Villa and thinking, well, definitely one of them's coming in, Diabia Watkins. And then it's just a matter of between now and then, can they just keep quiet, please, sort of thing, which did not happen at Burnley. Um, but yeah, you would like you you'd hope Crystal Palace and all that luck can just keep them keep them quiet, and then they can explode when we have them. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Well, that's uh, yeah, that's a good place to wrap things up, I think. And it's been a pleasure to have you on this pod, Lewis. As always, thanks for your expertise. And just, yeah, please make sure to check out FF Community's website covering various fantasy games, not just FPL. And try and give us a follow on Twitter if you can. It's at FFCommunity underscore. Uh, And we hope to see you back here next time. Thanks for listening. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.